Broadcasting from high above the reserve, this is Radio Harambe. And thank you, as always, for tuning in to Radio Harambe, the companion podcast to our website, jomboeveryone.com. I am Dave McBride, broadcasting from the Radio Harambe studios, the brand new, fresh Radio Harambe studios. We've just tra- changed into some new digs. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, yeah. We got a little bit higher power internet going on here, which enables us to talk to Mike from halfway across the world and uh, all these kind of things. And <laughs> the voice you hear joining me as always, Safari Mike, where are you today? Whole Chan Marine Sanctuary. Wait a minute. What? Whole Chan. Whole? H-O-L. Chan, C H A. Okay, so this is Marine definitely South. Sanctuary. So this is definitely uh, Asian of some kind. Um, whole Chan. Having said that, it's probably I'm probably completely off. Uh, I'll say a, a Marine Sanctuary. Whole Chan Marine Sanctuary, Indonesia. Belize, not even close. Holy God! We're off the coast of Belize, studying the lionfish. Wow, the lionfish, Dave. It's a beautiful uh, little fish that uh, doesn't look anything like a lion. It looks, you know, it right. has all these uh, barbs and stuff. It's usually reddish color, right. but it's actually from South Pacific uh, reefs where it is native. Um, but here in the Caribbean and off of coast of Belize, and even as far north as Rhode Island, uh, it is an alien species. It was really yes. It wow. was thought that during Hurricane Andrew in 1992, six of them got loose from an aquarium that you know got da- you know had suffered some major damage, and they got lost into the ocean. And they have since become a nightmare here. Yeah, because they're they're venomous, right? I mean, they're 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 prey they're, fish. They're attack fish. They're, they're predators. Yeah, predators, they'll eat yeah. as many as 20 small fish in 30 minutes. Wow. Um, and they have no natural predators here. Where, where where we are here in Belize, as as I said, they go as far north as Rhode Island. Although they can't survive very long in the colder waters. However, they're they expect them to be as far south as Brazil within five years. Oh my! So it God. is a major major problem. How are they going to do? What are they going to do about it? What can you do? Um, yeah, there's very little we can do. Um, do they have natural predators in their normal habitat? Sure, that they can transplant sure. to in, here. In the well, that just opens up a whole Pandora's can box. Of worms, yeah. 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 Oh my God. But wow. you know, this, these kinds of problems, you know, rabbits in Australia. Oh, you know, sure, sure. Pythons in Florida. Just Absolutely. A, I was just going to say that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a. That's a. Uh, you know, it comes from accidents like you're talking about. Mm-hmm. It also comes from um, you know misuse of as pets and things like that. People don't realize um, 
basically how what the trickle effect can be if some of these things are done. We're going to talk more about that in the in the our, our feature presentation. But uh, as as we are saying, our uh, we're going to do the world news. Mike's going to have that in just a second. Do local news, all the news from Disney's Animal Kingdom, and then we're also going to in our feature section, which I was just alluding to, discuss big cats. And the reason why we're doing that, Mike, is because coming up is Big Cat Day. Yes. So let's begin the uh, local news. And our Big Cats Day is July 30th, this week. Uh, actually, you probably, by the time you hear this, it would have passed you already. It's as normally as one of those things that happen at Rafiki's Planet Watch. You do all those kind of kid things and stuff like that. Um, celebration of the Big Cats. This is one of the, uh, probably one of the favorite events of these types. Uh, for guests, because certainly the big cats are a very endearing um, group of animals, for sure. And I would I would point out, Dave, just one thing mm-hmm. that uh, read the blog, and you would have known about Big Cat Cat Day before it actually happened. So um, <laughs> yes, so go to jomboeveryone.com. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, big cats, of course, are some of the more popular um, zoo animals, or just animals. Period. Right. And you know this is a this is a, one of their bigger, bigger days. It looks like the you know they do a lot of stuff at Rafiki's. You could, you know, color masks, identify tiger calls. Right. There's information about how it, they they it's, it, how they keep the cats at Animal Kingdom. You know, some of the care that goes involved. So, you know, interesting little things like that. Yeah, I mean, it's the, those the, as we say all the time. These events are really neat. Uh, there's nothing really all that involved about them, but they're very cool kind of dates. Um, let's talk, Michael. So while we're here about animals, um, you reported last week, right? Just well, only a couple of days after our last show came out about the ant eater. Um, yes. On this, on uh, the oasis. Why don't you talk about that a little bit? This is kind of a sad departure. Sure. Um, you know, we've talked in the past a little bit about you know how. The oasis is supposed to be animals that are kind of low key and quiet, and, um, and you know the anteater being maybe the largest of them ones at the animal kingdom. But it was kind of low key, you know, not not really. It's not like you have like a gorilla troop there. Um, I guess <laughs> maybe this is going to the effect of you know Disney trying to increase the sex appeal of Oasis and maybe bring in something a little bit more eye catching. Um, but it looks like the anteater is gone and it will not be returning um in most other animal exhibits when they are just refurbishing it they will put a little sign that says you know something along the lines of the uh, this is under refurbishment they'll be back soon you know that kind of thing right um they have completely removed the signage of the anteater it's uh so i I, we're all suspect that something different is going to be there yeah but no no word on any of that Mm mm-mm so we got some no idea what yeah we got some investigating to do yes <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have some big news I think well let's do this one first um, the rivers of light amphitheater uh, there's not really much to stay here but I just kind of want to point it out uh, the Orlando Park News reported last week uh, took a lot of photographs we've really kind of come a long way here with the rivers of light construction and we're now seeing the for lack of a better phrase, amphitheater. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't really call it that. It's kind of more of amphitheater-style seating along the banks of of the water. Would you agree with that? Yeah, it reminds me, actually, and for people from Washington, D.C., would would know what this is. There, it, 
along the river there, they have um, similar, like, steps almost leading down to the water. And there would be concerts in the water, you know, boats, you know, whatever, barge or whatever. And people would sit along the water and watch watch the concerts. It's very similar in that kind of style for people in that area. It looks right. basically like stone steps leading into the water, and it would just be spots for you to sit and watch um, the rivers of light. Right. So that's so that's obviously what we're getting now. Yeah. Uh, and so if you go over to Orlando Park News and go back to probably somewhere around the 21st of July, uh, you'll see the pictures that they put up there. And, 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 and uh, you know, it, it looks like when it's all done, these walls finally come down, we're going to have some nice seating for sure. <laughs> I'm, uh, I don't know how it's going to look to be there during the rest of the day. Well, you know, I will tell you that that kind of structure will lend itself more to, you know, being old looking. And I or, hope so. And that's what I was just blending yeah. more. Yeah. Th- then if they just put like bleacher seating there. Right. Or, you know, right. something along those lines. And that's what I was just going to say. I-, I hope that we have a situation here where they really are able to do something besides just <laughs> benches. I mean, I, I hope there's right. some a-, a little bit more thought and and. Time put into it and design. I have no reason to think there wouldn't be. This is a Joe Rody Park, and that's how things are done here. And I just hope they continue that way. Um, what else do we have in the look? Oh, of course. Uh, the big news actually this week is that uh, we're expecting to see something Avatar, big Avatar related D23. Now, Mike, when I f- at D23, which is coming up uh, in only a couple weeks, I believe. Right. Um, Mike, when I got to admit, when I first read this, I thought to myself of that poor guy. I think it was last year. <laughs> that poor Imagineer who had to sit there with a couple of kind of goofy, uh, you know, props from the movie, mm-hmm. and try to somehow sell this as yeah. being a, uh, a something of importance to the rest of us. Right? You remember? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I felt sorry for that poor guy. He was like at a desk or something. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. Just, just kind of holding these things like a little glove, or I, I don't even remember what it was. It was so. So easily forgotten, but it, yeah, it was I, I, the first thing I thought of was that poor guy. <laughs> but yeah, but now that we're getting cl- much closer to the actual, you know, completion of it. Yeah, I mean, even you could see now over the walls the floating mountains coming into shape, the big show building coming into shape. There's got to be some stuff that they could put out there, some concept art, uh, some models, you know. Yeah. I'd be shocked if you didn't see some of the models that you've been seeing in photos of Joe Rohde and James Cameron, for example. Um, you know, and a couple of other you know concept art. You'll you'll get some new stuff that you've never seen before. I'm sure of it. Well, yeah, and we are for a year closer to mm-hmm. opening. Um, I, I, you know, it really you really did kind of get the vibe even before. I mean, we we are having fun with it, but even before last year, you kind of did get the vibe. They were very early on here. And to even have something um, to present, or the fact that they were they kind of talked about how they were going to have something to present, all made us kind of scratch our heads and say, well, "What could they possibly have?" I mean, there was mm-hmm. you know nothing to show. It was just too early in the game to show anything. Um, this year, I think we're going to get you know a lot more concept art, like you're saying, and and you know something new. Listen, D twenty three. Disney is really making a concerted effort this year to 
use D23 as sort of, and this is going to not come out right, as sort of a competition with Comic-Con. So they pulled Marvel's Mm -hmm. film out of Comic-Con, right? You got nothing Marvel. You got well. You got Marvel. You got Marvel comics. Well, yeah, yeah. And I meant you films, didn't get I'm any sorry. Marvel films, right? Right. So all or even that TV show stuff, really, or right? none of the Netflix stuff. Barely was, anything, correct? Yeah. They saved that all for D twenty three, and it sounds like because they're hoarding all of these intellectual properties, Avatar now being one of them, um, even though it's not their property, but you know where I'm going with that. Mm-hmm. Um, th- th- it sounds like what they're trying to do is angle D23 as being the other must-attend California convention right. for you know fans of fantasy and comics and this, this whole sort of animation, this whole kind of genre. Um, I don't well, know if that means anything for Avatar. <laughs> When That's, you think about it, you know, you think, we, we, uh, we, I don't know. But when you think about Comic-Con, you would think the two biggest properties that they had at Comic-Con for, you know, releasing information and stuff and just fan, you know, uh, you know, going go, you know, gaga over it was Marvel and Star Wars. And now, you know, they basically shipped that over to D23. So you're absolutely right that they're trying to take some of the some of the life out of Comic-Con and put it into D23. Um, which is a, which is a fool's errand, to be honest with you. I mean, they're they're not going to take any of the life out of Comic Con. Well, Comic Con's always going to be Comic Con, exactly. Um, and D twenty three is always going to be something for Disney fans, and not for people who aren't necessarily Disney fans. Yeah, people who are just like staunch Star Wars fans. Right. I mean, I guess it depends on how how big of a Star Wars fan you are that you have to go go to to D twenty three. I don't know, but. Um, in terms of releasing Avatar stuff, like I said, I, I think you're going to get. Um, you, they're not going to do any of the movie stuff because that's not D23. That's not Disney, so you're not going to get anything about the new Avatar movies. Right. But in terms of the land itself, I think you'll get some stuff. I mean, maybe we'll have to do a special news show afterwards, depending yeah. on how much it actually is. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, usually there's uh, some sort of accompanying uh, <laughs> YouTube video that we sure. ha- have to have to kind of pick apart. And- and this year they're absolutely doing a, um, you know, a parks and resorts uh, talk. I think it's Saturday afternoon, um, which seems to be in the similar vein from the one. I guess it was two thousand nine when they gave you the, um, you know, gave you the Star Tours two and the new Fantasyland stuff um, right there at D twenty three. And a lot of people suspect that this is going to be the first time they're going to do that again. Right. And I don't know if they'll give you more Avatar stuff. I don't know if they'll give you Rivers of Light stuff. Everybody assumes they're going to do Star Wars stuff and Pixar stuff for Hollywood Studios. At least they give you some of the Hollywood Studios stuff. I'm not sure if they're going to give you any more from that, from um, Animal Kingdom stuff, but it's very possible. Yeah, there's a there. You, you never know. I mean, they're trying to, like I said, they're trying to make a splash of D23, and I think they're going to yeah. do that. However, I think they're going to do that with other properties. I don't think you're, they're going to do that as much with Avatar. So I expect some. I expect some some news out of this for Avatar, but my feeling is that when and if they're going to drop any kind of big concept art or anything else, they may not do that at D23 because I think D23 is going to be dominated by Star Wars. And um, what's that's com- only good. Oh, and, and and not only Star Wars but Marvel. And and you know may, how those two properties uh, in a park certain. In a, in a park, um, you know, from a park standpoint, how 
Star Wars is going to integrate into the parks now. Um, if any, if there's any major announcements on a, on either of those two fronts, right, Mike? I mean, it, it'll just it'll just blanket Avatar. I mean, Avatar won't even be heard of if they come yeah, out I mean, with concept art for a Star Wars land at the Hollywood studios, you might as well forget anybody even printing the avatar stuff. So it may behoove them if they're going to do that to wait for the avatar stuff for a few weeks and kind of do it on its own. Uh, you know, I don't know if there's a Japanese D 23 again this year, like there was, um, in previous years. I don't know that. Um, so, you know, there's, there's opportunities. I just don't know if it's going to come here. That's all. Just, just to to be clear, because I'm not sure if we even brought this up, that what we're talking about in terms of the Avatar stuff is there's going to be an exhibit hall space in, I guess, I think it was Hall C. Yeah. About 12,000 square feet called 60 Years of Innovation. Um, And part of that is going to be, you know, plans and, you know, how they went about making Avatar Land as well as a lot of stuff on Shanghai Disney. So you'll be able to walk around and see some of the models from both of those things coming along as well as concept art, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's nothing in this in this release to say anything that Avatar is going to be talked about at the parks and resorts speech or, or, you know, the presentation, which is where you usually get, if you're going to get these big announcements. Now, having said that, you're absolutely right. If they're ready to announce something Star Wars, that's going to drown out Avatar. But who knows if they're ready to announce it because you keep hearing these rumors that the board keeps rejecting their plans. I mean, the, the other alternative is that if they're not ready to announce anything Star Wars or anything substantive, you know, maybe they'll take it up a notch with Avatar Land and really tell you a lot just to be able to say something at this Parks and Resorts thing. My I mean, ge- I don't know. Yeah, my guess is we've seen a lot of photographs of some of the models that have been out. We've seen mm-hmm. video, including them. My guess is those are going to be on display. And I would, I would imagine, yeah. And that's not news because we've seen them already. Mm-hmm. That's um, true. So... I don't expect a lot. I, d- I just don't think the news is going to come on this front. I think it's going to come, like Mike was saying, on you know Marvel television shows. Um, you know, maybe some casting information for some other Star Wars anthology films down the road, or that kind of stuff is what I think is where they're going to go here. I'd be surprised if we're going to get anything groundbreaking on Avatar in the parks. Uh, right. I think we know everything we're going to know, except we may get some confirmation on on the um, the boat ride or you know things like I that. Think, I think you'll get a couple of little tidbits that we yeah. haven't seen before. Maybe a piece of concept art you haven't seen before or two. Right about maybe a restaurant or something something. like that yeah right right, yeah right right. agree i I don't expect too much uh that seems to be it for the local news mike and since that was kind of short and you promised me that we don't have much in the world news and this is true for the summer i mean there's not a lot of news that comes out in the summertime um because it's busy and everybody kind of focuses on what they're doing at the parks but um plus disney's not going to release anything real major because we got d23 in three weeks exactly so uh let's go straight into the world news and uh what do you got this this week well, Dave, we're going to go to the Streets of America and Fort Wilderness. But first, let's go to the Land Pavilion, where one of uh, my Listen favorite restaurants. And, we all love and one of my favorite songs for yeah. an attraction, absolutely. I think that's, uh, that song has been canned, though. <laughs> all the good songs are gone in, yeah, in Epcot. The Garden Grill Restaurant, Dave, I'm not sure if you're a big fan of it or not. Um, it has been offering dinner for quite a few years now. Mm-hmm. Um, I was there for breakfast in 1998. Well, breakfast and lunch are coming back starting on November 8th. Um, operating hours will be 8 a.m. to 10.30 for breakfast, 11.30 to 3 for lunch. And dinner will be eight. Uh, excuse me, 4 to 8 o'clock. 
All three periods will offer the same kind of family style service that uh, the dinner has. Um, you know, much like Ohana's or Whispering Canyon Cafe. Right. And they'll feature character appearances, Pluto, Chip, Dale, and Mickey. Okay. The Garden Grill will also be offering breakfast, lunch, and dinner packages with seating at the Candlelight Processional. Always a uh, popular... Um, True. You know, uh, uh, I guess, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Event. Popular event, I guess, yeah. <laughs> You like the Garden Grill or no? Ah, uh, it's been so many years, Mike. It's been so many years. I mean, the last time I was there has to be fifteen years ago. No, really. I would think was the last time I was in there. I did go to breakfast once, ages and ages ago, probably mm-hmm. right around the same time you're saying, probably around the late nineties. Yep. Um, and then I was at dinner, had the family style dinner. Um, I remember Chippendale being there, and I remember it being good, but not. But I also can say that it wasn't so good that we had to come back, and, and I haven't been there in 15 years. So um, I, I was there. I'm, 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 I have no opinion, really, is what I would say. I was there less than a year ago, in August, and uh, I very much liked it. I, I think it's a good place to eat, and I, I liked the breakfast when I was there in the late 90s. I, I like this, moving, uh, making breakfast lunch available, too. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a a great concept room. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm just not a character meal person. So, and and I now have a a small child, and I'm sure that's going to change in the not too distant future. So, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> so maybe I'll save it for then. <laughs> What's next? Dave in Interventions East. Mm. Uh, core. I still call it Communicore, Mike. All right, Communicore. In late the late fall of this year, Colortopia will be a new exhibit presented by Glidden, a paint manufacturer. Um, it's going to feature, thanks for clarifying that. It's going to feature a narrated tour with interactive interactive exhibits. It's also going to have a mobile app and website, which will be part of the experience there somehow, some way. Um, the president of or senior brand manager, excuse me, of the paint company, Mark Lancia, said pairing the magic of park experience. With the magical role color plays in our lives is an exciting opportunity for the Glidden brand. We're excited to share the Colortopia experience with park visitors from around the world. I'm not exactly sure what it's going to be, but it's going to have something to do with color. Well, Mike, let me say this. I spent a few years uh, working in a paint factory. Uh, <laughs> yes. Not, not, I'll say this. I did not work in the line. I worked in the marketing department but it, it, of the said factory company's and out of business now but that's okay. the company's not out of business <laughs> oh they survived you they're okay. they're fan- they flourished <laughs> since i left for sure uh, and there is nothing less interesting than the making of paint i can oh. speak from experience <laughs> i'm not se- sure if this is going to be the making of paint but i've seen it color. made i've seen it made <laughs> the world over there is nothing less interesting than the making of paint so if there was a concept that I've seen for a, a distraction, I won't even call it an attraction, a distraction of some kind, this is probably the worst I've ever heard. <laughs> but only because I speak from personal experience. Yeah, well, I guess we'll see. But that's coming in the fall of 2015. Great. Ready for the next one? Yes. Dave, there's been a lot of speculation that the uh, Osborne family spectacle of dancing lights might be a casualty of all the work being done at Hollywood Studios. Well, at least for 2015 and early 2016, it is not. Disney has confirmed 
that the dates for this year's Osborne Family Lights will be November 6, 2015 through January 3, 2016. Okay. <laughs> I have one more thing, Dave. Ready? Yeah, I, I just want to say something about the Osborne family of lights okay, that I'm sure will alienate me further from most of our listeners. Okay. Um, the Osborne family display of lights or whatever the heck it's called is one of those things like the food and wine festival that once years and years ago was a really cool little addition to your trip. I don't for the life of me understand how it became a marquee event Around the holiday time, but it is, and I know it is, is, and I don't know why. why. I couldn't believe that it wasn't coming back. I I, know it's going to survive all these this work at Hollywood Studios. I mean, Mike, is this something that you love and need to see if you're down there at the during the holidays? No, no. Okay, so I'm not crazy. But having said that, I mean, I I would not make go out of my way to see the Osborne Family Lights if I happen to be there in November. I'll check it out if Um, I have time. I'll go over there if I have time. I don't view it as I do food and wine that has almost become a problem, um, you know, enjoying Epcot to have food and wine there. Yeah, I mean, it's just I, see that I don't agree with that because it, it during Christmas, um, it's a good downtime to go if you go. And I mean, if you go early in December, right, if you go early in December, right. it's a nice kind of downtime to go. Um, there's a lot of things going on. It's parks look gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And um, there's not that many people. The crowds aren't as bad. I mean, they're not as dead as they used to be, but but they're but it's still. But you can't go there at night because it's crazy crowded. Because everybody's going over to see nice. Christmas lights. Yeah, I suppose. Which you yeah, can see on every block. Much. You know, I, it just doesn't. I don't. I don't get why it's such a big deal. But I agree with you 100. percent As soon as uh, as soon as you started that. I said, "There's no way that they're not going to do this because they." But it's it's a it's a continuing rumor that, that you know, it, yeah, that it's going to go bye bye or they it's can't not do it. Go it there's no way. There's it, no way with the popularity it brings people. What else are people going to do at that park? Exactly, Nobody's going there. Exactly. And and if if it if they did demo that whole area, they'd find somewhere else to put it. Exactly. You know, they'd It'll move it to Sunset Boulevard or something. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> they'd put it in Avatar Land, <laughs> <laughs> whatever. <laughs> well, we got any any other ones, Dave? We're going to play America's favorite game. Oh no! Oh. <laughs> really? You totally blindsided me in this one. Okay. A, a new off the beaten track tour is now available at Disney's Fort Wilderness Resort. It's called Escape to Walt's Wilderness. It is a five-hour tour that takes guests on a journey through the wilderness and gives a taste of some of the activities on offer at Disney's Fort Wilderness Resort. The adventure begins at 8 a.m. with a pontoon boat tour from the Contemporary Resort boat dock. During the ride, a guide will share stories of Walt Disney himself and his passion for the outdoors and nature. Although he never spent any time in Florida, but that's neither here nor there. Well, sure he did. I suppose he actually No, he was there. He was there. He was there. And there's famous photos of him walking the grounds and stuff there. That's true. Along the way, wildlife guides and binoculars. Oh! Do you get to keep the binoculars? Help with the wildlife spotting. No. What wildlife are you going to spot? Alligators? Pelicans? Uh, Pelicans, yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, Birds. On arrival at Fort Wilderness, a (laughs) bonfire and camp-style breakfast awaits. Ooh. The menu includes locally sourced citrus salad. An egg frittata, 
cinnamon rolls, okay, biscuits, stop. granola, coffee, and juice. You'll also have so, marshmallows for campfire. So we have a salad that includes Florida oranges, uh-huh. which can be bought in the quick check. Mm-hmm. An egg, what? Frittata. Frittata. Okay. All right. Continue. Cinnamon rolls, biscuits, blah, blah, blah. Gotcha. And after the breakfast, a wagon ride is next where guests are transported in style to an archery lesson. Okay. <laughs> Yes! A hike in the woods then follows with a stop at the Triple Circle D Ranch for a look at how the horses are cared for and their importance to the history of Disney parks. The tour is for guests seven and over. Dave, guess how much it costs. Because so, well, Walt loved bowing animals as much as he could. <laughs> uh, okay, so, well, let me just, later. so let me just make sure I get this. <laughs> let me get out a pen here. Okay, so let me get this straight. So you get a pontoon boat tour from the Contemporary Resort, which everybody gets. But instead, because you have to get there somehow. So, uh, But you get a pair of binoculars, which you can borrow. I'm sure you don't get to keep them. And you have a guide on tour on the boat. Right. And I think you're okay. also given like pamphlets to you know what, what kind of animals you okay. can see. So this is all of about $5 a person. And there's a guy that, that you know tells you stories about Walt and you know the wilderness and his love of it. You have a breakfast, which mm-hmm. doesn't sound very involved. <clears throat> so that's we'll call that because it's Disney twenty five dollars. Um, then you had a wagon ride, correct? But we don't know how long that wagon ride is. It does not say no. And an archery lesson. So we'll call that. I'm going to way overshoot that and say those two things are worth $50. Okay. So I'm so I'm going to say that's 50 80 I'll add to $89 and 50 cents. 89.50. And when you were calculating you forgot to add a hike in the woods with a stop at the Triple D Ranch or Triple Circle excuse me Tri Circle D Ranch. Triple D sounds like it's a uh, you know, well, yeah, but I have strip to club for a look at how the horses are cared for and their importance. To okay, so we'll parts. add another five bucks for that because that's okay. nothing besides walking and some person who already works there coming out and saying, "Well, this here's the horse." So I'll say ninety. In a goofy impression. Nine, yeah, <laughs> ninety-four dollars and seventy-eight cents. Not bad. One hundred nine. That's criminal, Mike. <laughs> it's five hours, Dave. It's five hours of what? Of frittatas and horses. That's going to be two hours of eating that dinner, of eating that breakfast. Because it doesn't seem uh, like, or a lot of walking. It might be a lot of walking. Yeah, it could be. It could be. By the I mean, time I don't, you I don't load know how the boat, the archery lesson takes. Yeah, I mean, by the time you load the boat and get over there, it's about forty-five minutes, probably. <laughs> right. I guess. God, that's you get nothing for that. No, it sounds pretty awful. I can't yeah, imagine people be doing that. That's not there's nothing. Is, there's nothing really, you know, real like real Disney about it. I mean, it's no. not like they're taking you behind the scenes or. And somehow they're yelling. They're they're slapping Walt's name in it somehow, and it just seems so arbitrary to even mention Walt. Yes. Yeah. You know. I don't, anyway. Anyway, that'll do it, right? Yep, that'll do All it. All right, that's it for a new section. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about some big cats. Jennifer Green of Destinations in Florida is the official travel partner of Radio Harambe and JomboEveryone.com. Jen can do everything you need done in order to book your next Walt Disney World vacation and have the time of your life. 
She is an expert in everything Disney and will remove all the stress of booking your trip. And she is as committed to conservation as we are. So every vacation you book or even every quote you request means Jen and Destinations in Florida will make a donation to the Jumbo Everyone conservation effort. You can contact Jen directly by emailing her at jenniferg at destinationsinflorida.com or by calling her directly at 443-424-0181. You can also head over to jomboeveryone.com and click the Destinations in Florida icon to get your vacation started. Seriously, what can be better than booking a Disney World vacation while helping to save wildlife? have um big cat day just past us as we mentioned earlier at disney's animal kingdom um and there's been big cats in the news unfortunately really uh over the last couple of weeks or certainly over the last week for sure um not necessarily having anything to do with disney's animal kingdom so right when we were discussing what we needed to do for today's feature section of the show we threw around a couple of different ideas, and then Mike kind of came up with the idea of turning Big Cat Day into maybe a little bit more of a celebration of the big cats because I guess you can call it a bad week for for big cats in the press, though I think perhaps in the long run this may be a good week. Um, we'll talk about that in a second. Um, mm-hmm. But let's begin outside of Disney altogether here, Mike. Um, your main... You're the one that came up with this idea, and your your main idea, besides Big Cat Day coming, was uh, a, a now famous lion named Cecil, right? Uh, who is from who was from Zimbabwe, Correct. and was recently hunted and killed. Now, um, bef- let's talk about who Cecil is, and if people have not read this story, now it's been all over the news. It's been on USA Today. It's been you know uh, it's been on CNN. It's been everywhere. It's been a big story. If you're connected sure. into social media, it's one yeah, it's of trending on Twitter. It's trending kind of on Twitter. Absolutely. It's one of those yeah. It's one of those stories. It's constantly shared. Um, I, I just want you to talk uh, quickly, Mike, about Cecil and why. Uh, he's in the news. Sure. So Cecil was, as you said, Dave, a f- somewhat famous uh, lion for Zimbabwe and a national park down there, which whose name escapes me at the very moment. It's the biggest one in Zimbabwe. But it was big for ecotourism. And well, it's Cecil Wenge or something like you, that. Yeah, I, I don't know exactly how to it. say it, but. Uh, Cecil was famous because, um, unlike many other male lions that will just sort of sit in the shade, off to the side, hide, he would—he was almost um, tame around hum- you know, people and the tourism safari trucks and stuff. He would come out, he would sit by them, and the tourists just absolutely loved him. He was well known by the guides because they knew that if they brought hmm. him over to Cecil's, you know, you know, pack, a pride, excuse me. You know, they would get a male lion, which is very rare to spot. Females, you can spot a lot easier than males because females do the hunting. They're usually out and about. Males tend to be very aloof and hidden from, uh, you know, they won't come out. So in that regard, he was famous. Uh, He was about 13 years old, too. Um, 
And of course, ecotourism in Zimbabwe is a huge deal. That's an important part of the economy down there. So losing this lion and it, it was a little bit more, I guess, grotesque than what you had said, Dave, in terms of he was hunted and killed. He was absolutely hunted and killed. But he was apparently lured off the property of the national park by using bait. They kind of, you know, got him off, you know, the protection of the national park. Right. They shot him with an arrow or a crossbow or some, you know, whatever. And then, you know, he went away and they it, they took him a while. I don't remember exactly how long, but they had to go find him. Um, you know, he's bleeding. He's obviously injured. He's trying to get away. It, it they right. chased him down and finally killed him, um, all in the name of game hunting, uh, you know, trophy hunting. So that is the story of Cecil and, and what the, you know what's been out there. Okay, um, first things first. I want anybody listening to uh, earmuff the children um, because I can't guarantee over the next couple of minutes that I'm going <laughs> to be. Um, perfectly uh, a perfect gentleman about this. The son of a bitch who did this is named Walter James Palmer. He's mm-hmm. from a place called Eden Prairie, Minnesota, and he's a dentist. And you really shouldn't go to him if you do, <laughs> but because you're paying him so that he could get his rocks off by flying over to Zimbabwe and bowing and killing a um, a lion. It cost him apparently about $50,000 to do that. Great. So that's, you know, a handful of fillings and you know, all that kind of stuff. Right. So, I mean, hey, listen, that let's, let's call a spade a spade. That's what the guy yeah. does. And if you know who this person is and you still go to him, I consider you complicit in this. <laughs> That's fair. You know, if you know be, what he's doing, sure. If you know I mean, what he's doing. And you it, should know because uh, he's been in trouble before. Not, yet, not only that, but apparently, he, uh, from what, what I read in, the, in one of the articles, I don't remember if it was USA Today or New York Times or what, the, his plan was to actually, once they you know, got this you know, Cecil, he was going to put the head on his wall in the, in the dentist's office. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's so gross. Right. I mean, it, it's – and I understand that um, it's very possible that Mr. Palmer was not blessed – with certain, um, uh, with with a with a sizable enough uh, 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 male organ, <laughs> in order for him to, I'm trying to be nice, in order for him to uh, make it through life without having to make up for that by doing something like this. And yeah. Mr. Palmer, if that is the case, you should really go and seek therapy, not kill lions for fifty thousand dollars uh there is a better way to fix your small penis issue um than this really let's be honest um i think there's a lot of trickle down effects for for something like this i don't think mr palmer cares one bit that he killed this animal i mean he does now because he's on facebook and trending on twitter but other than that he wouldn't give a shit let's be honest um he's happy he did it uh this is a male lion so therefore if he has mike correct me if i'm wrong if this male lion has any small cubs which in the middle of the summer he probably does the next male lion is going to now kill all of them in all likelihood, that's how the lions behave. Correct. Right. So now, not only has he killed this animal, he's also killed many other animals in this population in Zimbabwe. 
Uh, so right. congratulations, Mr. Palmer. You've managed to kill baby lions, you stupid ass. So I, I hope he's—I <laughs> hope he sleeps well at night, knowing that. Uh, so once Mike mentioned this to me, I said, "You know what? We do need to discuss big lion, big cats, a little bit more because you know." <laughs> For some reason, I don't quite understand. There still is this sort of, you know, man-eating tiger, man-eating lion kind of nonsense that goes on out there in the world. And uh, stuff like Big Cat Day, right, and and, mm-hmm. and zoos and stuff really, I think, are what we need to kind of get on the front line of knowing just exactly how disgusting this Walter Palmer person is for doing something like this. Um I, I, I don't know what else to say. My, I just kind of want to let you have at it here for a second. <laughs> well, I mean, but, you know, on the topic of lions, I mean, I think this is probably the biggest problem that lions have in terms of um, the species as a whole. Um, you know, they are hunted, not only just as trophy hunt, you know, as a you know game hunting, but also because, you know, they do eat goats and cows so there is this, um, you know, this problem of, you know, let's be honest, a goat or a cow is generally a lot easier to catch and kill, especially when it's penned up, than, you know, a, a water buck or a uh, Nyala or a Thompson's gazelle that's healthy and in the, in the wild. Sure. So, so, you know, you do have this problem and they're trying to rectify it by, you know, placing guards, you know, building different types of structures different types of bomas for the animal um but i think ecotourism in and of itself has become such a big deal in some of these african countries like zimbabwe like south africa like kenya where in let's be honest i mean the lion except for maybe the elephant is probably the most sought after animal i mean if you could see you know an elephant or a lion on a safari i mean you've hit the the mother load in terms of um you know seeing what you're there to see exactly um so there's this balancing act where they're trying to, you know, protect the locals. And then you have some asshole like, pardon my French, Palmer come in and, and pay $50,000, lure the thing off a national park so it was, you know, not protected by the park and kill it. Um, apparently the, the, the people in Zimbabwe, you know, may be getting into some legal trouble. I've seen some articles where... Um, you know they're they're pursuing that and charging them with poaching because you're not supposed to be doing that. Um, and oh sure. Whatever, whatever land he was killed on wasn't wasn't uh, the Cecil was uh, poached on wasn't or didn't have the license to actually take a line or something like that. And I've even heard some things where they, they want uh, Mr. Palmer to go to Zimbabwe and answer charges, although he denies having any knowledge that. They were doing something illegal. He just hired these, you know, hunt, you know, these guides and figured what he was doing was legal. Um, you know, all this is, you know, causing a lot of. Well, as you said, Dave, there's a lot of stuff on social media. There's a lot of stuff in the news. It's in the New York Times. It's in the USA Today. I mean, uh, Cecil is dead, and that's a terrible thing. But you know, maybe this goes a long way into doing something about this big game trophy hunting. Well, you know, the problem here is, Mike, I mean, he may, when it comes to his his kind of legal point and whether or not the people who are really responsible for the illegal act 
is himself or the people who he hired. There's a gray area in there. But mm-hmm. the problem that I have personally is just wrapping my mind around wanting to do this in the first place for crying out Yeah, loud. I never understood that. I never understood that. And Dave, I mean, I, uh, we have relatives who've been to Africa and shot uh, animals. That, yeah, uh, I know. I know. I, I know. I, I, I know. know who I'm talking about. Yeah, I do. I know. And I, it's, I it's somebody we haven't spoken to in a long, long time. That's, that's true. <laughs> but not for that reason. But that's, no. that's true. Um, I never understood the mentality. What was, what is the thrill in killing something? Um, whether it's a lion or a deer here, you know, in, in you know, if you're in North America or wherever, I, I never understood the thrill. I mean, I understand, you know, in some parts of the world, people still hunt to eat. I get that. I mean, sure. you know, but whatever. And I and understand people... it, Mike, in, in, a, in a prolific, you know, you use deer here, in a prolific game animal or, you know, um, herding animal such as that. Um, you know, there's population control necessities in certain sure. areas with that, uh, which make which make it needed because we've gotten rid of all the natural predators, so we have to be the sure. only ones. Um, there are other things, you know, you can you would eat a deer uh, for that kind of thing. If you think, <laughs> here's what my mind says: If Mister Palmer thinks that he's somehow proving his manliness by killing this lion, well, Mister Palmer, go out and do it with a knife. You know, better yet, put on a pair of like claw kind of things in your hands <laughs> and fight him. Then you're right. proving to me that you're a man, luring mm-hmm. him off with some with some bait and shooting him from 75 yards away with a bow makes you a sissy. Let's be honest. And then tracking him in a truck. And then tracking him in a truck and finishing him off <laughs> makes you a complete sissy. In fact, makes me think less of you as a man than more of you if you came home and hung it on the wall. I mean, that's the way I would think. If I walked in and saw that thing hung on the wall, I'd say, well, I hope you better punch that thing out or you're a complete moron. <laughs> right. yeah, you know, right. but it's a, I, I guess it's some sort of, you know, some sort of uh, inferiority complex, some 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 kind of deep-rooted illness that <laughs> causes somebody yeah, to do know. something like I, that. I, uh, $50,000, Mike. $50,000 he spent yeah, yeah. to go and do this. Yep. And now, hopefully, he's ruined his entire practice and all that, and he can go, you know, work at Walmart. <laughs> well, I mean, I know they're they're picketing um, his business currently. He's been closed for a couple of days now. As well they should. Um, As know. well they should. And every red cent he could con- he can instead of talking a big game, every red cent he can donate to a to a lion conservation is where his money should be going. If he's driving around in a in a in an Audi, he should trade it in for <laughs> for a nineteen seventy eight Buick and get the money <laughs> over to Africa to the Zimbabwe conservation uh, of lions, which I'm sure there is one, uh, and and help as best he can. So so let's 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 put that to rest and talk about okay. uh, big cats at Disney's Animal Kingdom uh, because I think that. The one thing that the other thing that kind of made me think this was a great idea was what a pivotal role big cats play in 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 the animal kingdom um, mm-hmm. in Disney's Animal Kingdom and also in Disney. I mean, we, we look over the years of uh, you know importance that cats have. Uh, we talked very recently and in incredible depth about <laughs> about the True Life Adventures and how the African lion. 
uh, film, how seminal that was in, in that series. Um, everybody mm-hmm. knows about the importance that the Lion King had to the sort of rejuvenation of the Disney brand uh, in the '90s. It's one of the, you know one of the handful of films that really put the put the company back on the map. Let's be honest. Um, and was it may still be one of the biggest animated features ever. Um, certainly mm-hmm. one of the most endearing. Uh, you know, there's been a, a lot of big cats in Disney history, wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. From uh, you know, not just the Lion King, but um, you know, even the, well, the Jungle Book. The, the yeah, villain sure. was Shere Khan, and Bagheera was an important character in that. Um, you know, uh, yeah. I mean, they've they've been an important part of, um, you know, the nature series that Disney put out. As you said, absolutely. And because Mike, and you could speak to this better than certainly than I can, even from a zoo standpoint. I mean, you mentioned, you alluded to this before. They're showstoppers. I mean, big cats are are what people come to see. Yeah, absolutely. So when it, when a zoo is putting together its collection, for lack of a better term. Um, they know that there's they, they need certain animals that will bring, bring people in. I mean, if you're just going to have a zoo full of, you know, we talked about this at the beginning of the show, anteaters and Barbarossa, and you'll get people coming. But, you know, th- those are not the things that you put on the cover of your, you know, exactly. brochure or exactly. the, 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 you know, in the magazine ad. You put in elephants, you put in rhinos, you put in gorillas, and you put in any big cat you can you have. Uh, whether that's a lion exactly. or a tiger or, you know, those are just, they're very mag- magnetic to, to people. People are drawn to them. Um, and they, you know, people love the kitty cat at home and they love seeing you know, a gigantic <laughs> tiger acting very similar to the, you know, their little, uh, you know, kitty cat at home. So absolutely, they're a big, big drawer. Mike, from a zoo standpoint, are they difficult to keep? Or is that uh, species to species, that depending on, on, on what, who we're talking about here or what we're talking about? Um, generally speaking, they're not that difficult to keep. They're certainly not nearly as difficult to keep as, let's say, um, an elephant or, or to a lesser degree, a rhino. Elephants are probably the most difficult to keep, most expensive to keep. Right. Um, you know, lions and tigers are generally speaking, not that hard to keep. And in fact, they're not even that hard to get. Um, with tigers, for example, um, there are more tigers in captivity in the United States than there probably are in the wild. There are over 4,000 tigers in captivity in the United States. There's less than that in the wild. If you lived in Texas, if you had $500, you can get a tiger tomorrow. Um, Unbelievable. You know, in Texas, you can buy them. You can keep them. It doesn't. You don't need any particular license. Unbelievable. Um, you know, you have a backyard and you want a tiger, you can get it. Um, so, you know, they are relatively easy. Now, that's not to say anybody who has $500, and if you live in Texas, don't get a tiger because... Please, please don't, please. <laughs> people, I mean, people get mauled by tigers. Yeah, you're going to end up you euthanizing know. it, is what's going to happen. Just yeah, I mean, there are, there are a lot of sanctuaries across the country in the United States I'm talking about, where, you know, they're taking in people who, you know, bought a cute little tiger cub, and by the time the tiger is like two years old, and is now an adult, you know, with got to eat a lot of food, and is dangerous... You know, these people who didn't mean anything ill, you know, didn't have any ill intentions. They just, you know, I love tigers. I want a tiger, you know, and and bought a tiger. Then they can't keep them. And this poor thing is now living in, you know, not great conditions. I mean, those people do the best they can, but it's true shoestring budget. But they're, you know, they're 
they're filled to capacity. They're doing the best they can. It's just not a good idea. Um, but having said that, for a zoo, they're actually relatively easy to get and keep. So that's why you see many of them. And I always think, Mike, you know, there's uh, the the country is littered with zoos. There's zoos everywhere. And there's, you know, there's big ones and there's little ones. And there's a lot of like kind of small zoos throughout the country. We have a a, a few here, um, you know, Mm -hmm. two or three that I can think of that I can drive to tomorrow. And really the difference is, you know, one of the differences between that and a major zoo is big cats. I mean, sure. a lot of these smaller zoos don't have lions or tigers or jaguars or or something to that effect. And well, that really is the difference. I mean, that's what makes people go to the big ones are these big, exotic and gorgeous animals. And that's what big cats really kind of kind of are. They do. some. some a lot of them do actually have tigers and lions. Um, they're relatively, like I said, easy yeah. to get. And also, there's been so many of them in the zoos over the years. And they've been kept for such a long time here. We have a pretty good idea how to keep them. That is not as true with some of the other big cats, um, like, for example, snow leopards, or even to a lesser extent, like clouded leopards, which are very rarely seen in right. U.S. zoos. They're big cats, but they're they're not really kept that often. And only recently, I'm, I'm going off tangent here a little bit, but this is an example of that. I mean, they had a hard time breeding cl- clouded leopards. They would be in a zoo, they wouldn't breed. It was only very recently that scientists discovered that clouded leopards don't like to be near other big cats. And when they are, they don't breed that much. They don't breed readily. So these places that would have a clouded leopard may have a cat exhibit where they would have a, you know, a cougar oh, and a I snow see. leopard <laughs> and a clouded leopard. Right. Kind and of in the same keep... building or you're not right, far right, from right. each other. Yeah. Walk. Right, a lot of times they would keep them together, and they were like, "What, well, you know, what, you know, we're having tiger cubs. Why aren't we having cloud le- only cloud leopard club cubs?" Only recently to discover that. So that kind of information on some of these other less well-known big cats, um, you know, needs to be discovered. But tigers and lions generally, we, you know, do a pretty good job of keeping them. Mike, is that because a clouded leopard is smaller than those other animals, and therefore feels that its that its young would be threatened? I, 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 to be honest, I don't even know why they, they but they figured that out. They they. Uh, they did a study and they realized that clouded leopards that were not near um you know other big cats were much more readily breeding right. so you know they however they figured it out i'm not exactly sure what it is i don't know if it's the you know some sort of scent going off from other big cats maybe it's what you said right um you know they you know they try to be more aloof a, when a territorial thing yeah because clouded because yeah, clouded leopards are smaller i mean clouded leopards are I, <laughs> I mean, small. They're, they're they're probably a sixty, seventy pound animal anyway. But that's but they're not the size of a lion by any means. They're they're no they're no. A smaller they're, they're smaller than even like a cougar or a, or a leopard. They're bigger than um, some of the small cats. Like uh, you know, they're probably. I guess the best way to say it is they're probably some a little bit bigger than like a lynx or a bobcat. Right. 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 Um, and and uh, the other thing I wanted to mention was sort of the importance that they have at the animal kingdom, which is, you know, I mean, it can be argued that the two mm-hmm. biggest animal exhibits, Kilimanjaro Safaris and Maharaja Jungle Trek, I can't argue that those are the two biggest animal exhibits of the park. Those are the two biggest. It can be argued that the 
big star of those two, the top of the bill, so to speak, are both big cats. Now, I think when Disney designed Kilimanjaro Safaris, they intended it to be the, perhaps you could make an argument they intended to be the elephants. But having said that, the last big thing you see is the lions. I mean, the lion was the end. The lion was the finale of, of the show. Right. You know, at, at least from at the time, not any longer. At, but the, at the time, time right? Correct. From the animal point of view, mm-hmm. and, and even now, it's the last really big recognizable thing that you see. You get the rhinos beforehand, and the cheetahs, and the and the and the elephants, and the other th- you know, and the and the hippos, and the crocodiles, and the other big animals that you recognize. Lions last right. one, and let's be honest: when if the lion is up and walking around, that's. That is usually, Mike. I I say I I think of it like this: We're on Twitter all the time. A lot of Animal mm-hmm. Kingdom fans, if they go, or a lot of Disney fans, when they go to the Animal Kingdom, they tag us on the little things they say. If somebody says one of the best safaris I've ever had, nine times out of ten, it's because they got a killer picture <laughs> of a awake and moving lion. Right, the line was up and about. Right, right? absolutely. I mean, I that, agree with you 100. That's what makes a great safari is seeing the lion up and moving around, and the same with Maharaja. I mean, that's obviously the big the animal over there is is the tigers. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, just to kind of prove what Mike is saying, these are showstopper animals. So, I thought one. Well, actually, you came up with this idea that what we would also add to this discussion of big cats on our sort of celebration of Big Cat Day is what we would like to see kind of added or or plussed uh, at the Animal Kingdom regarding big cats. Now, I came up with two or three. Mike came up with like a dozen and a half. So, uh, <laughs> not that many. Six here. <laughs> so, so let's start with with you. So, just to kind of give us an idea of what we're talking about. Okay, so you want me to throw one out there? Yeah, yeah. So tell tell us what you're thinking of here. I, I may have brought this up on the show before, and if I did, I apologize. But the San Diego Zoo, or the Wild Animal Park, actually technically, and the Cincinnati Zoo both do a cheetah show where um, there is basically this long run and, you know, four or five rows of seats that basically circle it. And some, a, a you know keeper or whatever you want to call that person comes out and the cheetah will come out and she'll talk about the cheetah. She, the cheetah's right there. And then they'll actually show um, the cheetah run at full speed. And it is an impressive, impressive sight. I can imagine. I think that something like that would really blend in well with, you know, some of the other shows that Disney's starting to use at Animal Kingdom that are trying to show, you know, animal behavior. Um, you know, sometimes they actually even bring out a dog to, to walk around with uh, the cheetah. And our friends at the uh, Cheetah Conservation Fund um, sort of pioneering this effort where uh, cheetahs, well, excuse me, where these dogs, these uh, shepherd dogs from Turkey that they've been using uh, to, and they've been giving them to basically the people who live there and who have, you know, sheep and stuff and right. that cheetahs will prey on. They've been giving it to them, and it's been a, and it's been very effective in keeping the cheetah away from the goats and the sheep and stuff. The dog right. just yep. stands there. It doesn't kill the cheetah. It just gets in between the two and says, you know, get out. And, um, you know, the Cheetah Conservation Fund has been, as I said, pioneering this effort to, um, you know, help the cheetah by providing the um, guides and stuff with, <clears throat> excuse me, with these guard dogs free of charge 
so they stopped killing the cheetahs because before that they would be just shooting a cheetah on on sight. Right. Um, you know, cheetahs are highly endangered. I think this would be a great a great show or a great way to sort of show the behavior of the cheetah and seeing a cheetah running at 70 miles per hour is an impressive sight oh i couldn't agree more because the cheetah exhibit is one of the ones i mean cheetahs are incredible i love cheetahs if i if i were to name you five animals that i absolutely adore a cheetah would be on there i have always loved the cheetahs um Mm -hmm. and the exhibit, the way it's designed at the Animal Kingdom, it's just such a fleeting glimpse sometimes. Rather, th- and to have something like this where you really get to see, um, uh, you know, the cheetahs kind of get more chance to photograph them and really admire them, and and a better chance to photograph them, yeah, not even just I mean, a more of a chance. Yeah, I mean, it would be it would be fantastic i just want to say this one thing i I had a um we have a relative of ours who a very close relative of ours just moved out to the to southern california and um i said to her you know we're we're thinking when are we going to come out there and the first thing out of her mouth was you got to go to the zoo now she's only been out there for a couple months and she's been all to all the things she's not a she's not a disney person by any means she's been disneyland um she's been to a couple of other things but the thing that stuck to her the most was the zoo, and the first thing out of her mouth was this particular thing that you're describing. She oh, yeah. Ju- she just loved it. <laughs> they just loved it. Thought the cheetahs were amazing. So this is this is really an impressive thing. And and something I've also always mentioned before, Mike, even kind of in a smaller thing, was I remember years ago the Bronx Zoo doing a kind of not really a show, but handler interactive moment with the tigers. They still do that. Yeah, and, and I mean, I mean, I've been years ago because that's how long it's been since I've seen it. Um, mm-hmm. Where they kind of, I guess, they feed them, have them come up close to the to the, you know, to the the, the audience, right. I guess, for lack of a better right. phrase. And I, I just always thought that was really great, and I would love to see that kind of thing brought in to the tiger exhibit because there's a lot of space for that there. I mean, they could do a lot with the tiger exhibit. There's a lot of places that they can add something there for that. And, uh, especially now that they're bringing in, um, the Siberian, the, um, the new tigers, Mike, help me. The Malaysian. The Mal- Malaysian. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and, uh, I, Think to to kind of have Sumatran, a little, actually. Sumatran, 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 yes, that and very endangered species of, of of tiger, and to have a kind of an enrichment uh, moment there and a teaching moment really about that species of tigers would be fantastic. I'm really tigers, uh, yeah. I mean, tigers like the cheetah um, for different reasons are very very endangered. Uh, tigers, I mean, I was talking about it before how they're you know more in the United States than there are in the wild. Yep. I mean, the problem with the tiger is they're just being hunted to extinction. Where, where cheetahs are, you know, running out of space and right. you know, all this kind of stuff. But you know, a tiger carcass. If you killed a tiger tomorrow and sold the parts for medicine in Asian arc, uh, markets and the fur, you can get over fifty thousand dollars for just killing one tiger. It's crazy. That's how much money these people make from poaching it, and it's a it's a difficult, difficult problem because. I mean, let's be honest. That's more money than most of these, you know, people in some of these sure. poor countries make in years. And what, ma- and what makes it even more frustrating is th- all of those things that they make all of that money on are of no use to anyone <laughs> anywhere. They're completely right. they're completely useless items. 
Right. It's it's all like vanity items and and you know or herbal. I mean, they they they, they think yeah, parts silly, of the yeah, yeah. Can, you know, make you more manly or cure the flu or whatever. Right, yeah. right, exactly. <laughs> not not back to our manly discussion. <laughs> yes. So, what else did you have? Uh, you know, I, I, the lions. Uh, we, since we were talking about them, you know, I really hope they incorporate the lions um, to a great degree in the nighttime Kilimanjaro safari. How great um, would that you know, be? lions are nocturnal animals. I mean, granted, they sleep twenty hours a day, so I mean, you just do the percentage, and the, what's the chance you're actually going to see them moving around? But they are more active at night, um, especially when it's hot in the you know the summer, sure. Florida, and all that kind of stuff. So. You have a better chance of seeing them being a bit more active at night. So I really hope, and I think they're going to incorporate um, the lion, um, the that lion exhibit in the uh, evening safari. Even just seeing the eye shine of right. one of those animals looking there through you, man. I mean, that would be haunting. I mean, I, they got to. They have to. I mean, it, it, that that would be. You would one, think. Yeah, the cheetahs is well. Cheetahs are not nocturnal, right? Cheetahs are not. Cheetahs, okay. cheetahs are, are diurnal. They're more daytime. Right. Um, you know, that makes them such good safari animals <laughs> right. for, right. for uh, ecotourism. Yeah. So so this would be perfect. I mean, people would really go crazy for that, for sure. I, I would like to see that as well. Um, I, I would like to – we've discussed this. Again, we've gone back and we've talked about a lot of this stuff before. Um, one of the things that I've mentioned a lot and Mike has mentioned a lot is um, you know, the addition of animals. And I think uh, we've both mentioned many times the addition of the snow leopard uh, for a lot of reasons. They're incredibly gorgeous. Um, we've seen them in the Bronx Zoo before. They're very captivating mm-hmm. animals. And uh, also there's that great connection between the snow leopards and Joe Rohde. And I think Joe could really get involved with sort of uh, you know, spreading the word about about a new exhibit and, and being part of the launch of that and the design of that. I mean, I think Joe could really do something incredibly special um, for these animals. we've Again, we've talked about this in past shows. I don't know how feasible it really is because it is a snow animal living in Florida. So, right. I, you know, I That's don't... a big problem. Yeah, I don't know if it's even possible, but it's... If it they, were... They, they have polar bears in SeaWorld. Yeah, they do. And so maybe it is possible. There's only a, maybe a couple of thousand of these animals left. Um they're, I think they're going to become, unless things change here, they're going to become sort of an iconic animal when it comes mm-hmm. to the conservation, um, you know, the, the world of conservation. Uh, and, and Joe has already, Joe Rohde has already done so much work with this and spread so much information out to the Disney fans that I think bringing one of these in here would just be it's a really nice and beautiful story for the animal kingdom and for Joe and for all the work that that both have done to sort of help spread the word on conservation. Um, you know, one of the things about that, Dave, and you're absolutely right about it, is, um, you know, the Snow Leopard and, you know, Joe Rohde and his film and, you know, some of the conservation groups like the Snow Leopard Trust are very involved in educating the local population um, and trying to help them, you know, much like, the, our friends at the Cheetah Conservation Fund are, you know, providing dogs and to, to guard the sheep. Um, there have been programs where the, actually the Snow Leopard Trust, in exchange for locals agree, who are farming and, and, you know, keeping animals for not killing snow leopards, they have trained them how to create 
different hand handcrafts and things like that, and have actually tried to sell them for the people to make money for them. This uh, this would be a great way, you know, a great thing to do at the Animal Kingdom. Can you imagine being able to buy Mongolian handcrafts, knowing that the purchase of them is going to the people? Yeah. To almost, I mean, I, I I get it that it's you're sort of buying them off, but this is what you have to do. You have to provide them with, you know, a, sure. a financial incentive to not kill exactly. the snow leopards. Exactly. Um, you know, I know in India, for example, they are you know spending a lot of money in proofing, you know, uh, predator proofing, like uh, where the cows and stuff are be able to, um, you know, sleep at night, et cetera, et cetera, and predation of farm animals has almost ceased in certain parts of India and it's really helped the snow leopard population because if the, the local all the locals really do I and mean, many of these places are just trying to protect their lives they want to feed their kids and if you can um, and I can understand that if you can yeah. s- you know stop the snow leopard from being a problem for them they don't have any interest in really I mean they, they're not you know like Mr. Palmer exactly they don't want to do this right but they feel like they almost have to so if you were able to stop that you're able to um, protect the snow leopard much better than you can by putting out a you know you know putting them in zoos but if you're able to like sell some of the stuff or educate the people right. i mean i think that would just be fantastic i mean these are people who live on the edge of survival most right. of the time and um you know, they're also people who have uh, often times at least a very sort of spiritual connection to the animals including the snow leopard and they are forced to choose between that spirituality and their own survival a lot of times when they are when they feel forced to hunt one of these creatures to get them from you know potentially endangering their food supply Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I I wouldn't call it paying it off. I would call it a, a, a better option, a better alternative. And and it, right. it, it, it yeah, there's so much that could work with snow leopards in uh, <laughs> at Disney's Animal Kingdom. Uh, I also just wanted to mention really quickly before we move on to it is Mike's mentioned a few times the Cheetah Conservation Fund. They're one of our. Um, partners for conservation uh cheetah.org is their website you can learn all about the dog program that mike's talking about and also about the other things they do they have a great shop of cheetah stuff there um so do do us all a favor and go and and go through that site and support them uh, they do some incredible work and they've uh, suffered some difficult times they had a their their they had a visitor center that completely burned down not long mm-hmm. ago and some other things but they're very well um, supported now uh, and, but but all the work they're doing is just amazing work so uh, what else did you have on your list of dozens I have a, a couple more I'm gonna give you two for the price of one okay good um, in Dinoland. But way back when they had the dinosaur jubilee, if you remember that, Dave. Um, yeah, we've discussed had, that a few times. Yeah, yeah, they had fossils and stuff, but they also had fossils of a saber toothed tiger. I would th- it would be really cool to have a a actual saber toothed tiger kind of, um, you know, much like the T Rex one. Yeah. Uh, you know, a yeah. model of the saber toothed tiger because it's such a fascinating animal. Kids love. I mean, oh, yeah. behind dinosaurs, the probably the next. You know, extinct animal that people just are fascinated by are saber-toothed cats. I think, um, and then I would combine that, Dave. By the way, with an actual living saber-toothed cat in Asia, 
I would love to have clouded leopards, and I say they're saber-toothed cats because they are, they have the largest teeth in, relative, in, in relation to the rest of their body. If you ever see a, an open mouth of a clouded leopard, you'll see their, 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 you know, their incisors. Yeah. Are, your canines, I should say, are huge. Um, they're, you know, probably more closely related to saber-toothed cats than any other living animal that would fit well in Asia. I think it would fit, if you can't do snow leopards, clouded leopards would be a good backup choice for a new walking path um, in, um, you know, the Expedition Everest area in Shirkazong because, you know, they're from sort of the foothills of China and stuff like that. They get can get kind of close to mountainous area. So if you want to build a new walking path there, um, and you couldn't do clouded, le- excuse me, snow leopards because it would be too much money and too, you know too warm. Clouded right. leopards would be a great backup choice. And they're gorgeous. They are. They're incredible, incredible animals. Mike, the the other thing that I thought of when you first threw this at me, this idea, and and this is the last thing that I have, um, was I, I kind of was hoping. I, I, the thought kind of came to me that when we enter Avatar. That some sort of visual transition, some sort of storyline transition out of the world, the natural world, and into Avatar would be a, a cool place to put maybe some elusive animals, um, you know, in display there. And and by elusive animals, I'm thinking of something along the lines of a black panther or Mike uh, uh, corrected me before we came on and told me that I'm actually thinking of a jaguar because they're Amazonian <laughs> and are and are the bigger of those. But I was thinking of doing some sort of maybe nocturnal creatures or or some, you know, you, do you know where I'm going with it? Like, um, mm-hmm. you know, night because because the nighttime is going to be the big thing there. Right. It's because when the lights go down, we're going right. to have the, the bioluminescent area. So maybe have some animals within sort of a sort of bioluminescent habitat. Uh, just so you can kind of see nocturnal animals, um, you know, it might be a good place for a few other different types of things. But the jaguar, or uh, specifically the black one, uh, came to mind. And also, a much smaller version of those are the Mexican, uh, and I, I'm sure there are other places besides Mexico, but they're also very nocturnal animals, and they're called the. Say it again, Mike. Ocelot. The ocelot. They. These are. They really do look to me like a cross between a jaguar and a house cat. <laughs> they look like a, a house cat with jaguar coloring, and yeah, they're, they're a little bit bigger than a house cat. But yeah, close. yeah, they, they're. Um, I think they were. They went through an endangered period. They may not be so now, um, mm-hmm. but they, You're but correct. they were, but they were for a while. They're, um, they're kind of elusive creatures. They're certainly, um, you know. Enjoy their sort of <laughs> dark forest cover, uh, and they're nocturnal for sure. I think they would make a good thing. So I was just thinking of this sort of transition area, uh, uh, sort of another oasis, so to speak, leading off of the natural world into Avatar, and maybe using a place there to get a few of these big cats. Uh, and again, the first thing that jumped to my mind was what I called the Black Panther, and Mike told me is actually uh, just a jaguar, right, Mike? Or also a panther, but uh, but or I mean yeah. a leopard, but it's just a right. jaguar with a strange sort of genetic... Um... It's called melanistic. It's a, a, a genetic abnormality where um, the fur... Be, is almost all black. Although, if you look closely at both a black jaguar and a black leopard, 
and black leopards are actually more common than jaguars um you'll see the actual spots on the fur you could if you look closely yes um it is a naturally occurring phenomenon i mean you'll see them in the wild uh for example with the leopards um the black or melanistic is much more common in uh the jungle where they live as opposed to the plains as you can imagine a black panther would stick out kind of like a sore thumb in the daylight of, <laughs> right. a, of a savanna. So if one is born with the, this genetic abnormality, they usually don't make it. Uh, there are other animals that have that. I mean, I went to Fordham University, David, as you may remember, there are a bunch of black squirrels. Yeah. Uh, just because of the seclusion of the area, you know, that particular gene kind of proliferated <laughs> in both the Bronx Zoo and the, and the Fordham University on the grounds there. There were there's no way for squirrels from other parts to get in there and kind of mix up the genes. So it's just a genetic abnormality. It's it's relatively common. I mean, it's, you know, I think it's less than 10% of black le- of leopards are black-faced. But, um, you know, they're beautiful. It's, it's unlike, for example, the white tigers where they actually breed them to try to get them whiter and whiter all the time. It's right. This is naturally occurring. I mean, could you think of any better cover than to be black and nocturnal and in the jungle. I mean, well, the other thing, yeah, the other, other than thing, they stand David, out in the middle of the day. Yeah, well, well, in the ju- even in the in the in the middle of the day, Dave, in the jungle, um, it's very dark down yeah. at the bottom of the, you know in in the in the bush, as they say. Yeah, you know, underneath all the um, the canopy and stuff, it, it there's not a lot of light down there, and in some places it's almost pitch black, depending how dense the forest cover is. So. Even during the day, a black leopard is going to be fairly well covered in the denser part of the jungle. So, um, but we were talking about this before we went on the air, and I had seemed to remember. Um, and I don't want people out there to think that I'm some sort of avatar aficionado. Um, <laughs> I actually had to Google the name of this thing, but I, I remembered there was some sort of like cat-like creature that was almost like a black leopard-looking thing. And it, I Googled it, and apparently it's called a Thanator or something like that. So, I mean, could, could you have... I mean, clearly, when you saw this thing, the, the black leopard or a jaguar was sort of the... You know, what's the word I'm looking for? It was the, uh, you know, kind of like the... You know, what they were going for. Yeah, yeah, the inspiration, yeah. Inspiration, thank you. That's the word I was looking for. I mean, you could tie it in that way, too. Or you could have an audio animatronic of Thanators walking around. So, you, know, you could do that, too. Yeah, I guess that's kind of not what I'm hoping for, but but it might be in the boat ride. So, you know, there's that. <laughs> that's true, Mike. Do you have any other ones before we? Uh... I I have two more, Dave. Go ahead. One real one real quick. Um, you know, I really hope, and I, this is probably a fait accompli. I'm sure there'll be a lot of black cat stuff in the rivers of light. Um, you know, I hope they do all sorts of big cat stuff. Yeah, big cat stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I I would assume so. I hope so. Um, you know, and even maybe in one of the picture of the concept art, you might have seen it. Um, but more importantly, Dave, you know, we were talking about this at the beginning of the show, um, where the anteater was might not be a bad spot to put your jaguar if they don't do it in Avatar or, you know, even one of the smaller cats that we were talking about. Yeah, it's a relatively yeah. big exhibit. Cats don't need large exhibits um, per se especially ones that do a lot of climbing in the trees, like a leopard, um, because you have to remember when you're looking at an exhibit for a leopard, you don't nearly, you don't just look at the horizontal ground that's being covered, but also the vertical. I mean, if right. you build trees that they climb in, there's more space for them. Um, so they could, 
you know, they could easily put something like that, or or perhaps an ocelot, or or you know, some some smaller cat. But I think, um, you know, that would be a great spot for him. Yeah, it does. It does sound like, and we think that something might go there. So that that would be cool. Did, was, did you have another one? Nope, that's it. All right. I guess that'll do it for us. I just want to mention one more thing, Mike, which is um, when Mike and I began uh, Jumbo, everyone, and then Radio Harambe, um, life was a lot different for me. I had a lot more free time, and I was able to do things like <laughs> blog and podcast. And over the last few weeks and over the next coming few weeks, that has all completely changed uh, with work issues. And, of course, I'm taking care of my son now as well. Um, so I thank you all. What My point of all this is... We've been sporadic with shows. We've been even more sporadic with blog postings than we when, than we usually are. Um, and I thank you all for your patience through this time. And I promise you that as we get into the fall, uh, we'll be back on more of a regular schedule. And we have a lot of things planned and a lot of stuff we're um, hoping to be able to uh, include in the podcast and on the website. Speaking of which, jomboeveryone.com. Go there. Learn everything you need to know about the Animal Kingdom. You can also find links to our social media. Facebook. Mike is on Twitter. Uh, I'm also on Twitter. Mike's at at jomboeveryone. I'm at at Radio Harambe. You can find the links to Instagram, all the other things that we do there as well. You can also learn about our conservation partners and go direct to their donation page through our conservation page as well. So go ahead and do that at jomboeveryone.com. Don't forget to uh, subscribe to the show if you don't already. Leave a review on iTunes if you haven't already. That does help. Uh, I don't know. Is there anything else I'm missing here? Oh, go to the store. The Don't forget, we have a at, at jomboeveryone.com. You can find a link that says store. It's all the way to the right, and you'll find all the things that we have for sale. We have a Zazzle store where we're selling the Warden Wilson Air Rangers t-shirts and the Not a Half Day Park. There's some great, uh, there's lots of great stuff on there. I'm not going to go through them all. Hit the uh, the shop, and that'll take you over to everything we have for sale, and you will be able to, uh, all the money that we make off, off any of that stuff, 100% of our profits go towards our conservation partners. So that'll do it. So for Safari Mike, I'm Dave McBride. Quaharini, go well, and thank you for listening to Radio Harambe. Wow.